Hello, all. It's Tavara Krasniansky from Adayad. Uh, tonight's call, we'll be talking about pregnancy and marriage. We'll be talking with Sarah Eichler, who's a lactation consultant and as well as a, a childbirth educator. Uh, so during this call, at any point, you can send us um, questions, ask them anonymously at adayad.org slash ask-anonymous-question. Uh, and then at the end of the call, we'll be addressing those, those questions that are relevant to most. And if your question is something that we might answer by email or uh, in an upcoming article, we'll, answer, we'll address those in that way. So uh, you can always check out our website at adaiad.org, A-D-A-I-A-D.org. Uh, and there's several materials I've added very often in areas of marriage, marriage as a team, um, dating, as well as domestic abuse, though, as we use the grant that we got from the City of New York. So tonight's call, we'll be talking with Sarah Eichler. Sarah is a uh, Sarah is an international board certified lactation consultant, a member of the New York Lactation Consultants Association, Hypnobabies instructor, Lamaze certified birth, uh, childbirth educator, and Donna trained doula. She's helped thousands of families with the transformation that begins with pregnancy and starting a family of their own. She loves to see the smile on mothers and fathers' faces when it comes all together and finally works. Sarah is based in Brooklyn and has a private practice as a lactation consultant as well as teaching birthing and breastfeeding classes to parents and professionals. So I'm really excited to be talking to Sarah about this topic. As I understand from the feedback I got before this call, we have both men and women on this call. Or, so we'll be addressing areas that are related to both the husband and the wife during pregnancy. I know that the mother is the one who's actually expecting, but many times there's many uh, many concerns that the father has as well, and so this is a very important conversation to be having between them both spouses. So I'm really excited to have Sarah join us and to uh, do this call with us. So, Sarah, let's just introduce yourself and a little bit of the background of what you're doing and the work you do. Um, I think I think you you did a great job. I think um, you know my experience is really seeing uh, parents go through this journey um, right from the prenatal side uh, all the way to the postpartum. So I get to see uh, uh, you know the before and the after. I'm never at the birth, so, so even though I'm trained, uh, you know I have three little kids that keep me busy, um, so I'm, I'm not really able to attend birth as a doula. Um, but I really get to see the journeys that that the parents take um, before the birth, during the birth, uh, before the birth, and then uh, particularly afterwards. As a lactation consultant, I really do get to see a little window um, into a lot of people's lives that otherwise I wouldn't see. And especially I do house calls, so I really get to see the dynamics. And and as a lactation consultant, um, it's really important uh to to see that those dynamics because you know as as you know support is super important um when it comes to to children and families and you know the saying is it takes you know a, a village to raise to raise a child um it re- you really see that and um we'll talk a little bit about that today how to make so your own little the village so one of the questions that 
uh, that kind of a conglomerate of some of the questions that came in today is many wives or mothers wish their husbands would know X, Y, Z about pregnancy, especially a first pregnancy when it's new to both of them that she's actually experiencing and he's kind of secondhand experiencing it. What would be some of those things that some women wish their husbands would know, but somehow they don't, they don't bring it up or they don't say it outright? Yeah, I, I, you know what? Women, uh, we tend to take a lot of things on ourselves and we tend to, um, you know, believe we can do it all with no help and we don't need to tell anybody that we're in pain or we're uncomfortable. Um, so, you know, the beginning weeks are really, I would say, you know, with excitement but also trepidation and fear for a lot of, for a lot of new, new families because um, they don't know who to turn to and they don't know who to call. Um, and then there's that understanding of, well, we're not supposed to tell anybody that we're pregnant, which, you know, I always tell people it's always good to go back to the source. And what the Rebbe was actually saying was not to publicize pregnancy. So to publicize something means to announce it versus if you, particularly the first few weeks or months of pregnancy, if you need help um, or you need guidance and you go and ask a friend or you ask your mom or you ask your aunt, um, you know, who do you recommend I go see for, my, for, for a midwife or an OB um, or I'm not feeling well, do you think you should send over some dinner? Um, a lot of people have that misconception of like, oh, I can't tell anybody. I have to sort of suffer in silence and the only person I can tell is my husband. Um, and even then, um, it might not, they might not share it as, um, as clearly as they could. Um, you know, for some, for some couples, it's, they get pregnant fairly soon after they get married. So they're just starting to get to know each other. And then, you know, we all know about the hormones that come with pregnancy, throw that in. Um, and sometimes things sort of get lost in translation. Um, so there's definitely a lot is the aspect of physically what I'm feeling or, and again, like you said, some of, for some couples, it's very soon after they got married and they're still getting to know how to communicate and feeling comfortable yes. and vulnerable to be saying just anything, never mind related to all these uh, things that are changes. These changes, and sometimes she doesn't even know how to express what's happening because it's so new to her as well. Yeah. So, um, actually, one one woman told me that she didn't know how to express it in a way that he would be able to understand it without without feeling stupid that she can't even express what's going on in her own body. So she didn't even bring it up in the first place. Wow. Yeah. So again, men men tend to be they they need to be communicated with. So they need to be told what's going on. They can't, they can't read our, I mean, look, some men are great at reading our, our, our facial expressions or our tones, um, but other men need a point blank to be told, I'm pregnant, my hormones are going through the roof, or I'm not feeling well. And, and a lot of people don't realize for some women, as soon as they get pregnant, it's like an immediate physical response. Some people have the, the wonderful bliss of, of totally missing the whole, um, you know, uh, morning sickness phase, um, but a lot of women don't. And so as soon as they get pregnant, you've got to tell your husbands. You just got to tell them, you know, I'm not feeling well or I'm feeling this way or could you help me with this, could you help me with that. 
um, you know, this is the beginning of you guys, you know, turning into a family, not just a couple anymore. So, and then, you know, he also might have his fears and his trepidations of becoming a father, of having to support a family now, not just his wife. It's, you know, there's a lot of things going on in his mind. So having that open communication um, is really, really important. And in today's world with so much technology, you know, we're so on the phone, we come home from work, um, you know, I would say put away your phones for an hour, spend an hour with each other over dinner and, you know, talk about what's going on. Have, have a bit of a dialogue, you know, start with one sentence and, you know, how are you feeling today or what can I do for you? Um, and, and to reciprocate that between the two of you. So just to build on that, I think that, that point that you said of that it's a that it's a we and that suffers women who don't say it outright, that really is a disservice yes. to themselves and a disservice to their husbands who want to be there for them but just don't even know that they're not. Yeah. And and then sometimes it actually turns into some sort of resentment. He should know. Can't he tell? You know, like, right. And then there's, he, he had no idea. And all of a sudden it's building and building. So yeah. while you may be a little bit difficult to be vulnerable or, you know, that is what intimacy in marriage is all about, is about being vulnerable. So you may have to jumpstart it. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely don't leave him out and then, and especially don't get that resentment that he's not helping or he's not understanding or he didn't read yes. the book. You know, yeah. personally, you want him to read the and, and I will say... Or at least one, a certain page. Yeah, and most men won't read the books. I mean, I, I teach a class um, and we give, um, I teach Hypno Babies and um, I also teach, a, you know, a program that I created for the Crown Heights community and in both the classes I give a ton of handouts out and I'm like, if you can get your husband to read it, that's great. But a lot of them will just get really overwhelmed um, and so what I suggest is, you know, sit down um, you know, say, hey, you know, this is a really interesting point, and and do it slowly um, to 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 introduce them into this world of pregnancy and birth and, and motherhood. Um, and a lot of them, once they start to get their toes wet and they feel a part of it, they get really excited. Right. I mean, and then women, they'll start to ask questions. For women, they've been around pregnancy while well, it may be their own first pregnancy, but you know, sisters, friends, or whatever. But for men, they really may not have been around pregnancy much. And even if they do have sisters, you know, some sisters have had children, they still have not really listened too much of it. So they really have no background. So while it's not, you know, maybe not as exciting as talking about, you know, some things that you love to do together, but this is something you are doing together. And so speak about it. Yeah. Think about, you know, yeah. for, some, for some husbands that get very concerned about what their wife is eating or not eating, and you can speak about it like, hey, just chill, I'm doing okay. Like, you don't have to be overly concerned, but speak about it in a way that you need to speak about it. So instead, again, what, what I have found with the women that I spoke to, and you probably spoke to several more than I did, is that they don't know how to bring up certain things. So that's that's where the, when I do the coaching, it's like how can I tell my husband? And it's like, you know, what what is holding you back from telling your husband? Pretty much straight out. We're not talking about abusive situations in, in any way, but mm-hmm. what is holding you back? And for many, it's he should he should be able to tell. He should just know. And we go back to the conversation about mind reading. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Men men can't read minds. I mean, again, look, when women get together, we tend to feed off each other's moods and, and, and facial expressions and cues. Um, men don't really get that as, as easily as women do. So communication is really, really key. Um, also recognizing the fact that he's, you know, he's the other half, he's becoming, uh, he is a partner, he is the father. Um, and he might also have his own fears, um, whether consciously or unconsciously, um, you know, becoming a father and going through this journey with you. So I think at the end of the day, it's really, really important to include them as much as possible. Um, and that could just be, hey, sweetie, could you make me a cup of tea? Or for him to go get your prenatal or come with you to the doctor. Um, and they always say, if, if he doesn't come with you to the doctor for your first kid, I highly doubt he will come to the doctor for your second, third, and fourth kid. So when it comes to the first pregnancy, the first birth, you're sort of setting the stage um, for the next, the next birth after this. So it is really important to have that open dialogue um, to communicate, to share, um, and also let him experience what you're experiencing as much as possible because the other thing that we've got to remember is women are physically feeling um, the baby. Uh, you know, we feel the flutter. We feel the movement. We physically see the growth or feel the growth of the baby. Um, we have the hormones that come along with that. Um, so the men don't get that. Yes, they can see your stomach getting bigger, but they're not feeling the baby until much, much later than you are because, you know, women will feel the fluttering a lot earlier than the men can actually, you know, touch the stomach and feel the baby actually moving. So there's also that sort of disconnect that um, some men won't feel the reality of it hitting them until they, you know, actually see the stomach move or grow or things like that. So taking them to the doctor's visit, um, getting them involved that way is, is also really good, a good way to let them be a part of this experience with, with the moms. Let's, let's flip it a little bit. What are some of the typical thoughts that husbands might have during the pregnancy, let's say of their first child, because it may be slightly different for a second child, which we're going to talk about in a minute. So that I so think the so wife that's... could know what, she, you know what he might be thinking and to bring up conversations around that. I think for men it's really that, that journey, that transformation that they can experience as you know, they're, they're becoming a dad. They're not just a man anymore. They're not just a partner anymore. They're becoming a father. Um, so that's, that's a huge thing for them. And depending on, you know, what, they, what their background was, um, that might be something that they'll be able to, like, just jump into. Um, you know, they had a really great dad. They had a really good experience growing up. Um, versus some other men might not have had that role model growing up. So they might have that fear of like, well, am I going to be a, a good father? Like, you know, am I going to have that capability? You know, and, and, um, and that experience. You also have the, um, the financial aspect of, oh, my goodness, now I, I have to provide for a, a baby. Um, you might have to get a bigger apartment. Um, you've got extra insurance. You've got extra food, clothing. Um, so men, you know, they tend to jump. In the, the, before you know it, they're thinking of bar mitzvahs and weddings, and the baby hasn't even been born. But that's, that's the way they sort of, they, they sort of will think. Um, 
So, um, yeah, engaging them um, and letting letting them feel um, that they are part of the journey of of the mom becoming a mom, but also that you're becoming a family together. And they should be, you know, they. Another thing that I find is that some men feel rather intent, uh, subconsciously slightly resentful of the time and energy that this pregnancy is taking from his wife. Um, mm-hmm. Can you talk to that a little bit? Um, so sometimes they, they sort of, you know, we're going from all the attention being on them to now all the attention is being on the mom and there's still, and, and, and this new being that hasn't even been born yet, um, but everything's surrounded by the baby. So it's, you know, as a society, when, when a couple becomes pregnant, it's almost like the dad doesn't exist anymore. It's all about the mom and the baby, but it is about the dad. You know, he's going to be a main figurehead in, in, in this experience, in this uh, family. Um, so we really need to encourage them. We need to um, get them involved, um, create a space for them, you know, that they should be able to connect during the pregnancy, during the journey, um, you know, get them to open up, to share with you um, where they feel, uh, you know, where are they sort of standing, um, get them to... Mm-hmm. So as far as like this, this is, for many, it's really subconscious. Can't even tell like what is annoying, what is concerning them or upsetting them. But it might be worthwhile for both to start reflecting on like what what is happening here, and maybe the wife is bringing too much attention to her and the pregnancy, and and having a little bit less attention to the to her husband. So there's something to really reflect on and see what is happening here. Now, that might be because she's sick every morning, and so at night she has to kind of make up for the hours that she wasn't able to do anything in the morning. So that's just, so there's all kinds of things that might be happening, but it's also important to be looking at at the schedule and see if see if it really he has been kind of pushed to the side. Ah, and it might not even be intentional, as you said. Like if if the mom is going through um, her illnesses, um, you know, some moms have HG. Her, I don't even know how to pronounce it correctly, but they 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 literally are throwing up the whole pregnancy. So they're weak and they're groggy and they're uncomfortable. Um, and the husband will want to come over and and you know give his wife a hug or something, and she's like, I can't, I can't just stay away from me. He might take that as rejection. So, you know, to explain to him, you know, I, I, you are a major part of our lives, and we really love you, and the baby's so excited. You're going to be an amazing father. Um, to really include them in that, and, you know, I'm sure, just to include them, the baby's so excited. I'm sure the baby's so excited to meet you. And, um, you know, but again, communication, communication. So if you aren't feeling well, they, you know, I'd really love to spend some time with you, but I'm really not feeling well in the morning. How about we do lunch together or, you know, once a week we go on a date night. And this is a really big one that I don't, a lot of people don't really understand when when you do have a baby it does change your life it's not like you can just um run out 
um, you know, there's babysitters involved or people that could come over and watch your child. Um, so really take this time um, to really connect with each other, go out, you know, have vacations. There's no reason to stay inside the house um, just because you're pregnant and really take advantage of these nine months um, to get to know each other better, to really connect, um, to communicate, so that when you do have a baby, those communication lines are open and they've already been established and built. And um, it's sort of just going to be second nature that, okay, now you're recuperating from the birth and now we need the dad to come over and, and maybe bathe the baby or change the baby's diaper. It will just be uh, a continuation from the pregnancy. So let's talk a little bit about the support that the pregnant wife typically needs. And for everyone, it's different. You know, there's a huge range. For some people, they really don't feel any difference, but for you know, and they just are pregnant, but they don't have the morning sickness. They aren't weak. Some people get extra energy. So, oh my goodness! Yes. But for some, you. it doesn't. For some, it doesn't happen that way. So if someone, so now for a minute, we're talking just to the husbands. If you're all your 19 sisters. That just you know, have been felt wonderful. Your wife may not, still may not, and even if her sisters felt wonderful, your wife may not. And even if she felt wonderful the first pregnancy, she may not be feeling the same in the second pregnancy. So each pregnancy and pretty much each day of the pregnancy is its own entity. But yeah. So with that said, what are some typical things that are needed? For you know, just typically. Um, you mean like in terms of support? Totally, yes, in terms of support. Um, so during the pregnancy, it really depends. As you said, some women, um, you know, my mom always said she felt a maiden during her pregnancy. She actually felt better when she was pregnant than when she wasn't. Um, but you will have some women that, you know, the pregnancy really does take a toll on them. Um, what you'll generally see with, with re- normal pregnancies is that the first trimester and the last trimester um, tend to be the most draining, the most challenging. Um, So the first trimester, your hormones are just raging. Um, Your estrogen and progesterone are just like skyrocketing. Um, You're really, the baby's doing a tremendous amount of growth. So most women that have um, morning sickness, it's generally the first trimester. Uh, You will definitely have some women that have it during the whole whole, um, time, but most women, it's the trimester. And just because we call it morning sickness does not mean that it's just in the morning. It actually can be throughout the day. It can be in the evening. Um, so, you know, that, that's definitely people should know. In terms of morning sickness, one of the, the best things really to do is to always have some snacks near you, um, some crackers. So when I was pregnant, I always had, like, on my, my windowsill, or next to my bed, I had a, a Ziploc bag and a closed container of some crackers, some mortar. So this way, if I was ever packaged at night um, or in the morning, um, I would eat something quickly because otherwise my stomach would turn. So small, short, frequent meals is really good. Um, if you can figure out why you're having morning sickness, you know, some women it's from the prenatal um, vitamin that they're taking, other people it's a particular food. So um, if you have, you know, you can't do chicken or whatever it is, and that's pretty much what your husband's been eating the whole, you know, since you guys got married. 
you might suggest to him, you know, I can't cook you chicken anymore, but if you want, you know, go go to a restaurant um, and pick yourself up some chicken um, so then he can still enjoy the food that he likes to eat. But to some women, the morning sickness um, does take take over um, and they can't even smell certain things. But again, and again, you know, you, you made a point of, um, you know, some people will compare their mother's parents or their sisters or their aunts or their cousins or whatever it is. It's really, really important not to do that. Um, you know, really find out what's happening with your wife, what's happening with your husband, what's happening with you. Um, because if you be like, oh, well, my sister never experienced this, no one's going to appreciate that because then it's, it's not... Um, uh, what's the word? It's not being empathetic. It's not acknowledging um, what your wife is going through. So it's really important if either of you are, you know, feeling a certain way to be empathetic, to be acknowledging their feelings, um, and to understand that everyone is going to feel differently and have different feelings. So that's one. Your hormones are raging. Then you have the physical you know, aspects that happen during the pregnancy. So uh, for some women, their, their stomachs are getting really large really quickly. And you generally see that with third or fourth pregnancies where um, you'll, you'll notice, you'll, people notice you're pregnant a lot sooner than your first or second. Your first and second pregnancies, you generally are able to hide it a lot more. You're stuck. Your muscles haven't been stretched as much. Um, but physically, uh, really, really important is to stay healthy, to stay well. Um, if you were doing running before you were pregnant, then you can continue running during your pregnancy. But if you weren't running before your pregnancy, then don't start running now. Um, there's, you know, a, a variety of prenatal classes nowadays. So that's really important. Um, gathering information. Um, so, you know, letting... And, and this is sort of like where you can ask friends and families. Um, so you want to find out who are the care providers available to you. Um, and I always joke in Crown Heights, if you, before you even choose your care provider, you're booking your doula first because the doulas, there's, there's way fewer than them and they tend to have less clients. So you need to book them much faster than you're booking your prenatal um, appointment. And they generally don't see you right away, which surprises a lot of people. Um, they generally wait. I think it's like the the ninth or the tenth week, um, and I'm actually forgetting which exact week, but maybe it's the twelfth. But it's um, it's not right away. So don't be surprised that when you do call your your doctor and midwife to make that the initial appointment, that they'll be like, okay, we'll see you in about four weeks. Um, if there is for some reason you don't know when you got pregnant. For example, you, you tend to have really long cycles or your cycles are irregular. So in that situation, you will need to mention it to the doctor, to the care provider, um, and you might need to do what's called a dating sonogram, um, which I know is a little bit of a controversial subject, but in terms of dating pregnancies, the earlier you do the ultrasound to date a pregnancy, the better the results um, for, for your expected things that they will give you, the later they do that ultrasound, um, the more, um, the more chance of error, error they have. So in that situation, you would want to go in sooner rather than later. Um, what else? Uh, da, 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 da. 
oh, a really, really good thing during the pregnancy to do is to learn about pregnancy together. I really like that idea. Um, so find a book um, that doesn't scare you. Um, I know a lot of people really like um, what to expect when you're expecting. I personally don't really like that book. I'd much rather go with a book. Um, there's a wonderful book by Penny Simkin um, that is evidence and research-based, and it's called Pregnancy, Childbirth, and the Newborn. And it's a really, really great book that goes through everything. So you could pick a page, read it with your husband, discuss a topic with him, Get him involved. Let him be a part of it. So that, uh, with that said, some of this is like sort of first pregnancy stuff because like by the second pregnancy he may already know a little bit about yeah. what, you know, what happens each month and you may know. But what happened, what's different in a second pregnancy is that there was a first child. Exactly, and yeah. there's so much, so while we're already talking about in the first pregnancy that there's, you know, physical things and household chores that need to be reassigned or, re, you know, realigned. And with the second pregnancy and being a child, whether it's, you know, even a very young ch- a toddler or even, you know, a preschooler or older, there's still household chores that have to happen. And that also have to be realigned or yeah. discussed. And yeah. like, yes, Indeed, you know, the husband is working long, hard days, and he's, he's supporting the family. But if the pregnant wife isn't feeling well enough to keep the house, somewhere, somehow, the house has to be kept, whether it's getting cleaning help or kicking in yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And what, what I found is that sometimes the women feel bad or guilty or that they're adding more work to their husband. Mm-hmm. And that's something... I definitely hear that a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think it comes down to really um, budgeting, really understanding. I mean, most women nowadays are working. Um, and a lot of women, as soon as they have their baby, um, you know, six weeks later, they're going back to work. Um, so, you know, taking a little bit of money, and it doesn't have to be a lot of money, five, ten, twenty dollars a week, put it aside so that if you do need that help in the house, um, you have that opportunity to go and get it. Um, The other thing you could do is, you know, if you do come from a large family, take advantage of that. Um, If if your child, if if we're talking about multiple kids over here, you know, if you're not feeling well, ask your mom, hey, could you um, come over and watch what's the baby while I get some rest? Um, could you help me with the household chores? Um, you know, having that line of communication, also knowing who you're talking to. You know, some, some moms are great like that, some bobbies are great like that, and others aren't. Um, but so know who you're talking to. Like some bobbies will come and clean the house. I've seen it. They literally come and wash the dishes and do the laundry and take care of the house, but they won't babysit the kids. Other bobbies will babysit the kids and take them on errands. Um, other bobbies like to spend money and, and buy the kids a lot of things. So in that situation, you could say, look, I really appreciate you buying the little baby all these toys, but, you know, we have so many toys and 
we really don't have the space for removal, but what I would really love if you could is if I could take that money and get some cleaning help with that instead. So, um, Sarah Hannah Silverstein spoke um, for Junior and Shay like two weeks ago, and I loved this idea that she suggested. Which um, I think worked probably with previous generations when most women were not working. She was like, you know, trade with friends. Um, so if you have, you know, if you live in a building and you know this this lady is doing a babysitting group or or your friend lives down, down the hall from you, um, you know, you could say, hey, I feel really great in the afternoons. I don't mind to watch your kids, but the mornings are really hard for me. Could you watch my kids? Um, or could you come and help me organize my home and then I'll come and do something for you or, um, you know, find your strengths. I love to cook. You don't like to cook. Could you watch my kids and I'll cook for, for both of us? And, and, you know, so things like that, do like trades with other people to help with, with the house or even just to have someone come over and talk to you. You know, you don't even have to trade things, um, particularly if it, it's the winter. Um, and this is both for pre and postnate. A lot of people, they sort of get down. Um, they don't leave their house. So just having somebody come over and just say hi, they don't even have to bring anything um, to the mom or to the pregnant mom, but just having that uh, familiar face is, is also really great. To build on that, as far as like the household uh, chart, I mean, there are some things that have to be done. Laundry has to be washed. But yes. maybe the time in your life to kind of take the perfectionism down a few notches, and it's okay yeah. that the floor is not mopped every day. And uh-huh. you know, so there's there's that angle as well. Like really look back at what really has to be done, and what can be yeah. kind of done less often, or maybe yeah. even get rid of certain things altogether so that you don't have to deal with it. Yeah. You know, like just, you know, minimize a little bit. So there's that there's that angle as well. The other thing yeah. I want to touch on is uh, when you're talking about bringing in support from your family. Don't forget your mother-in-law. She really, really hears. And I was uh, a while ago we spoke with Basia Deitch about the, your mother-in-law. She may provide help, a different kind of help than you, what you really want, but realize that. She She's part of your family, and she really wants to be helpful. Take it for what it is, and don't read into it, and don't like you know like that, that whole. And again, again, I'm referring back to Basia's conversation, and that is also on mm-hmm. the website in a, a past event of your mother-in-law support, and ask for it. Or if you don't yeah. feel comfortable yet, your husband can ask for it, and your husband can be a little bit more nuanced about what kind of support would be helpful and where won't be helpful. But later you'll want your mother-in-law as a babysitter here, you know, here and there. You can bring her in before. This is already starting mm-hmm. to see the baby sitting, even though the baby isn't yet born. So exactly. don't, forget, don't forget about your mother-in-law. <laughs> and I like that you said the expectations versus reality, and I think that's really important with... Um, with, with the household chores and the physical demands, you know, because some people, let's say, before their wives got pregnant, the house was, you know, the floors were mopped every day or the, or the beds were changed, one, you know, once a week or um, every other week or the towels were washed. Um, 
you know, uh, and and looking at the reality of things. Well, I, I physically can't change the bed every week. Could you maybe come and help me, or could you put a load in the laundry when you come home? So you know, you could fold the laundry, but then they could do it, and then you could later on sit down and fold the laundry. Um, and then also, um, this comes down again to communication. You know, what what are his expectations? Um, and ask him because some some men they they want things to be a certain way and then they just get upset about it but they're not really communicating why they're upset and then if you don't ask then they might not tell you and, and something something will blow up and it will have nothing to do with this that issue but it's really just an underlying thing of, of something else and, and could be very silly and could be resolved really easily uh, and again in, in New York City we are very lucky to have. Um, you know, cleaning help that's not that expensive. I know in other in other states it, it is much more expensive to have cleaning help. So having um, that uh, openness and dialogue to say, you know, I'm pregnant now, I am working full-time, you're working full-time, and I know the expectation used to be that I was doing A, B, C, and D, and you were doing E, F, D, but I just can't do this anymore. I need you to help and step up. Um, so, you know, and when I feel better, I'll I'll take over that. Or the expectations have to come down down a notch more to reality, which is, you know, maybe maybe things have to be. Um, she won't be as clean or as spotless. Um, you know, houses aren't museums; they should be a happy home. It shouldn't be a stressful home, um, which is really really important. And that's particularly also postpartum. It's really really big. So. You know, if you start it when you're pregnant, and I'm very into, you know, show your husband how to do a load of laundry. Show him how to do, you know, some basic cooking. Because when you have your baby, after you have your baby, I hear from a lot of women, oh, my husband didn't eat lunch or this, you know, or, or have to do a load of laundry. Or, and I'll be like, but one second, you're, you're breastfeeding your baby pretty much 24-7 right now. You're getting like 20 minutes of sleep here. Maybe you'll get a good four hours once in a 24-hour period. I was like, but every minute really should not be taking care of everybody else. Everybody else should be taking care of you. So if you start that when you're pregnant, um, you know, the transition after you have the baby will be a lot easier for them and a lot easier for you. And then again, once the baby gets older, things will settle down. You'll go back into your uh, roles, however you feel comfortable. Um, but again, having that expectation and versus the reality and having that open communication between the two of you. Okay, so we're uh, winding down. Uh, this question came in. Husband and I have different ideas for parenting. Uh, okay, so we have different ideas for parenting. How can we have a conversation so that we can get on track with, even before the baby is born? So if you can, if you can talk to each other in a dignified and open and happy way, I would say. Um, and you're not attacking each other and and diminishing each other's you know parenting style that you that you want to have, then you know during the pregnancy you've got nine months to do that. Um, when you do have the baby, a lot of those you know conversations might go out the window, and, and you'll be like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I even thought about that. Um, if you feel that every time you try to talk about these things, 
and you end up in an argument and you end up yelling at each other or getting very angry with each other, then I would say it's always great to speak to either a social worker or a therapist. Um, uh, you know, we have licensed family therapists and um, you can get them covered by insurance. But even if you don't, again, it's, it's part of um, making your foundation for your home really well. And sometimes it's just one or two sessions. So this comes back to budgeting, putting money aside for all those things that you don't necessarily think are going to happen, but you probably probably will. And this is something that you could start as soon as you're married. Um, you know, make a little fund for for this. So if you need a if you do need to do that, it's it's not a stressful thing for you. Um, you know, so for some people, it's that you know they go to the doctor. The doctor's covered for from insurance, but then they want to do birthing classes, and then they hear the price, and they're like. Oh my goodness! Uh, I can't. I can't do that. I can't afford that. Um, and then they'll go read books, which I love books, and they're really great. Or they'll watch a DVD, which is also really good. But from what I hear from the doulas that work with the moms, with the families during the birth, um, they do see much better birth outcomes when a mom actually does a live class. And I also encourage the husbands to attend at least one of the classes. The postpartum class is really the most important because that's when they're going to be there. Um, during the birth, it's really mostly the doula or if she's going to have her mom there or whatever. But putting aside the money, so when you are going to be um, in that state, it's not even going to be a, a, a stress for you. So with our last few minutes, uh, do you have like a, a final thought to, to address to the mothers about how to be pregnant together as a team and then separately to the fathers about how to be pregnant as a team. I, I, you caught up for a second. I didn't hear the beginning part of the question. Yeah, but a, a, a final thought to the mother and then separately a final thought to the fathers about how they can be a support. Like what has happened? Just kind of wrap it up. A final thought. I would, I would say really plan this pregnancy and birth, meaning get a list of organizations that are available to help you. Um, teach your husband the basics of laundry and cooking and when it's supposed to happen, changing a diaper. Get a list of, you know, miles or lactation consultants. Um, I would say the organization list is really the most important, and particularly in, in Kahnheim, we have an amazing um, – of custod organizations that can really help. Um, I would have uh, as much open communication between the two of you. Um, and if you do see any stressful situations that are not resolving on their own, go and seek help. Um, there's really nothing wrong with going and speaking to a therapist. Uh, you know, if, if something's wrong with us physically, uh, we'll go and seek a doctor and, and take whatever we need to do or listen to their advice. So same thing with, with emotional and communication health. Um, it's really important to have that, to ease that transition. Um, so to really help um, you with, with that and learn the skills on how to communicate. There's some really great books out there, um, but there's nothing like having a live person one-on-one -on -one with you and your husband uh, to demo that. And then for the husbands, I would say, uh, be understanding, be empathetic um, as much as possible with what your wife is going through. 
Um, I know for some men it's really hard to, to talk and to have that open line of communication, but try as much as possible. Um, you know, if your wife's not feeling well, notice that. Um, be empathetic, acknowledge her feelings. Sometimes it's just that. You know, she might just need to vent to somebody and all she needs is a hug or all she needs is somebody to say, yeah, that really sucked. So having that open dialogue with her and that communication with her. So uh, thank you, Sarah. I'm hoping that we can do this again about about the birth. You know, as it gets closer, there's a whole bunch to talk about the birthing, the, the plan, like sort of like the eighth and ninth month. And the, and the first week after is, this, I think, a whole separate conversation. We touched on it a little bit, but yes. the role of fathers during the birth and during the last week for the birth. So yes. I'm hoping that we can get yes. that sooner than later. I also want to yes. mention that I was just made aware that there is a new website called MothersOfCrownHeights.com, and they're building it every day, adding more and more resources, and it looks really exciting. MothersOfCrownHeights.com. Yes, and they also have a Kimpatorium project, which is going to be, uh, you know, having volunteers come and help the mom in the first six weeks for a few hours. So that, and that website is fantastic. So it's going to be really good for the resources for the for the neighborhood. Um, another thing I just want to add: when we kept talking about communication. Communication. We are having a conference call with Lisa Tversky about communication in marriage. That I believe it's at the end of January 31st. It will be posted just like all the other website, all the other events are uh, publicized. So um, looking forward to that. There are several resources and, and articles about communication on the Adayad website. But as Sarah said, if it's, I mean, reading is great, but getting specific personalized support is even better. So if, if you're depending, again, what the challenge is, it might be worthwhile to reach out to a therapist or a counselor or a social worker. Yeah, and, um, and they do have that. And then particularly in New York City, there are some centers um, that have sliding scales and there are clinics that, that couples can go to. Um, just to add to that, to so when we're talking about hormones, um, mm. sometimes it's just the hormones and it's not much more than that. It's not as yeah. if there's a, a problem in the relationship, I mean, but it's the hormones that are acting up and kind of interfering into the relationship. So a counselor can help you um, work through and work with the hormones that are temporary, but temporary for nine months, temporary is may feel like a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so it's just, it just is. Hormones are something that women can control. It just is. And both the yeah. husband and wife have to just accept it and work with it and around it. Someone just posed, someone just sent in this last comment, and I just wanted to uh, share that with everybody. She said that, I did, that she herself, again, this came in anonymously, so I didn't realize tiredness was a result of pregnancy. And she was very tired, and I was so tired every night. I fell asleep before my husband, and I, my husband fell asleep. I didn't care up, care enough to stay up with him, and then I felt guilty. Only later did I find out that I was exhausted because of pregnancy, and I shouldn't expect that much for myself. So I made a priority to nap after work so I can be up with him. So I just um, wanted to bring that attention to yeah, them. Yeah, that's great. Don't yet realize that. Tiredness is not just 
it's, it's exhausting tired. It's not just tired. It could yeah. be exhausting, like go to sleep at four, 4 o'clock in the afternoon for the night. Exhausting. I mean, that was my yes. wonderful experience. Uh, oh, uh, but our kids are wonderful. So uh, thank you, Sarah. I really look forward to our next talk. I will publicize that as well. Uh, if anyone yeah. has any other questions related to pregnancy, um, definitely you can email my, um, Adayad or you can email Sarah. The, uh, this, this call is re- being recorded and will be up on the Adayad website as well as Sarah's contact information if you want to contact her for any of these services that she provides or any questions that you have for her. Um, the, uh, this recording will be at adayad.org slash path events. This uh, event was recorded, and it will be there, as well as all the other uh, events that have been recorded. So thank you, Sarah, and thank you all. Thank you for having me, Delora. And I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks, Sarah. Me too. Take care. Good night.